0: Welcome to the Sisters of Industry podcast with hosts Laura Brown and Jen Williams, where the goal is to help you work harder, lean smarter, and live life better. Where one bloodline and different industry experiences will provide new insight to make you more effective at work and play. Our mistakes will help all of us laugh and learn. Get ready to lean in, lean out, and possibly snort coffee out your nose as they talk about all things business, leadership, and life. Let's go.
1: I'm Laura, the sister who has a spreadsheet to organize her Christmas shopping.
2: I'm Jen, the sister living the crazy busy Advent dream, thankful for Amazon to do her Christmas shopping. On today's episode, we're gonna talk balance between the objectives of people and profit.
1: Today, we're going to talk about balancing people and profit. Jen, we, we are in the middle of a balancing series. Are you feeling at all balanced these days? Not at all. Not at all. It's a total myth. It's a total myth. So let's be Mythbusters today because that's a cool TV show. I think we should be <laughs> cool like the Mythbusters and spend a little bit of time talking about a new aspect of balance for our listeners today. And this aspect is how do you balance being Four people having objectives that are all about making this world a better place, the people that you come in contact with, having better lives, and balancing that with some hard decisions, profit being one of them, that often seems to come in conflict with the concept of people. So let me offer an example. Um, We all know that I live in the corporate world. I 100% believe, as does my company, that what we do is about people. In the center of everything we do however not a day goes by that you don't have to sit in meetings where you're thinking about how do i how do we manage um, our bottom line profitability how do we make decisions about benefits for our employees um, how do we make sure that we are seeing to the safety of our employees in all cases coming back to people helps you make good decisions whether it's as an individual as a corporation but there are times when It's hard to see the way to what the people decision is as opposed to the profit decision. Does that make sense, Jen?
2: It does make sense. And already you've said something, though, that I think a lot of people, culturally speaking anyway, would push back against um, the very idea that in the corporate world you actually care about people versus people being tools in your ability to make profit. And I think this is where you and I are in different industries In the sense that I get criticized um, because of any time you bring the word business into the nonprofit, uh, particularly the church world, because we're not a business, right? We're all about people. We're all about serving people. We exist not to make money, but, but to do something. In fact, we can't make money. That's what makes us not for profit. However, we have to function as a business and as an organization. And so a lot of what I do does come down to spreadsheets and budgets and strategies and objectives and things that very much play into a business world. Now all of that makes sense from my end, but the reason I said you you've already said something that maybe causes an eyebrow to raise because I think a lot of people assume that while that tension might exist in my world you live in a world where the end game is the bottom line and yes people are great but people are great in so far as they produce a profit and so I'd love to, to kick it back to you again and say talk a little bit more about that is that real is um Is there truly a dynamic where you're caring for people? And how do you hold those two things together? I am a
1: firm believer in the reality that people and profit can coexist. And you're not always going to make perfect decisions where you balance them necessarily or where you favor people perfectly over that profit. But I will be very clear, and I think this might make me unique, um, they can coexist. And I think that anyone who says, Otherwise, needs to really be challenged about how they make decisions and what their priorities are. So maybe some of you listeners are sitting here and you're in an office environment where on a daily basis, you might be, maybe you're uncomfortable with some decisions you're asked to make because you know they're not good for the people around you. Or maybe you get frustrated with your company or even things that you personally have to do because it feels like, I know I have to do this. It's the business decision, but it's going to have a negative impact on people. I really believe that we live in a world, and frankly, my faith guides me to believe that God will prepare a way that allows us to be for people and still hit important business objectives. Some things are non-negotiable. For example, safety is always non-negotiable. I don't I don't think anyone would disagree with that. No matter what the cost is, we are going to do what keeps people safe. And I hope that all of our listeners see that as a number one objective in what they do um, in their in their daily business lives. And if you're not in that environment, I would encourage you to ask a lot of questions about what's happening around you.
2: OK, so well, stop there for a minute. And I, and I apologize for interrupting you, but I think that we're actually starting to hit on something that's a pretty bold statement and maybe even a little inflammatory. With the idea that there are companies out there that don't care about people, that it is just about the bottom line. And in the process, safety is not a primary concern and should be. And I think what you and I are putting forward is that people should always matter, no matter what the industry is, no matter the bottom line and the the profit drive, and And so I think what we're saying is there's actually a problem if you are in an organization that isn't, at least in some capacity, trying to balance the two. If it's all about profit, not only will your business not succeed, but that's an issue. Is that fair?
1: I think it's absolutely fair. Um, I would submit for our listeners, and I hope somebody reaches out that wants to debate this, I'd be happy, we'll be happy to do the follow up episode, right? Um, mm-hmm. I would submit to our listeners that for a business to truly be successful, you are going to focus on your people, you're going to focus on their safety, you're going to focus on making sure that you have successful people, because we live and operate in an economy where people are are the commodity that we're working with. We're in a service economy and that service economy is nothing without employees that are providing the service of their brain space, their brain power, the service that they are performing, whether it's a service they perform with their hands or their minds. um, The person is central to what is happening. And I would submit that if you do not have people objectives that make sure that you have people that are cared for, that want to come to work on a day-to-day basis, that know that they will be safe when they come to work and have a company that is working to achieve their safety, ultimately you have a business that is unsustainable. So I truly believe in these pillars working together and believe that when you look at companies that walk away from those pillars, things will fall apart. It might take time and there might be short-term gains, but there is not a sustainable business model in place.
2: Agreed, agreed. Okay, so that brings us back then to, obviously you and I both agree that it has to be both. Do you think it's fair to say that in your industry and your corporate for-profit world, that you have to work harder to lean toward people and remember that? Because obviously the profit and the sustainability is always in front of you. Your ability to exist as a company means you have to make money. And so is it fair to say that you have to work harder as a leader to lean that direction? And I'm asking this in part because obviously underlying this is kind of where I started to go earlier in that in my world, I think I have to actively study um, because it's not what I was prepared for or trained for, but work on the business aspects that are part of my job because the people part is what's obvious so that was a lot back to you Uh, what does that look like for you to have to to achieve balance to have to lean towards people how do you do that intentionally
1: Um, Yes, so it's a really interesting question that you pose because you do have to be very conscious of it. And I think you just hit on a very important point. It needs to be conscious. And I know that seems somewhat obvious to say that, but consciously waking up every day and saying people will be in the center of what I'm thinking about is an important choice that you make because you can lose sight of it. Um, I would, I think even in your world, there are conscious things you get up every day and say, I am for Jesus, I am for my community. Um, I am thinking about at the center of what I'm doing today, these four things. And when you do that, first, it keeps it in focus. So every day, why am I coming to work? I'm coming to work for people. I'm coming to work to build a sustainable business that will benefit generations to come and that will provide products that enhance the lives of people around us, right? Saying those things not only helps you keep focused on what's important, but I think then as decisions start to come across your desk throughout the day, whatever leadership position you find yourself in, whether a formal or informal one, Decisions start to come easier too, right? It is a lot easier to make big decisions about where to cut costs or how to make a change to a business process when you can check through and say, did I do the right thing by people? Did I do the right thing by the environment? Whatever your list might be. Um, and frankly, I wanna be very clear. While I can say that just because you are four people does not mean that you never make a decision that might necessarily negatively impact a person. Mm-hmm. And I think that is an important balance, especially in a for-profit corporate world that a lot of leaders wrestle with. I struggled with it a great deal early in my career. So for example, if you have a employee that's not performing well, you might need to make a decision and act on that. Now, I'm a big believer in the reality that if someone is not performing well, you are doing them a service by coaching them and providing them feedback. And even ultimately, if you cannot continue their employment, you are providing them an opportunity to learn from that experience and to go and find work that works for them. Because often you find an employee that's not performing well at work, it's they're unhappy they're carrying that into their extended life there's a bad fit going on in their life and they have an opportunity to be doing life better in a different place Mm -hmm. Um, and that may sound like a corporate shark that's trying to make herself feel better about some hard decisions but I honestly believe that you have to keep in context all of these decisions in that manner you might make decisions on occasion in your business that require you to re-engineer a process that has less hands touching a work product, and means you need less people employed. But that decision that says maybe there are two positions eliminated might provide you the opportunity to provide sustainable employment for another 40 people for years to come. And what you do with the two people in those impacted positions talks about who and what you are. Did you find them a new opportunity within the company that was available because of someone else leaving? Did you provide them Um, services to help them find other employment outside of the company, how did you treat that person in that process is important. So I think it's it's probably for my credibility, if nothing else, I want to be really clear. You can be for people and still make hard decisions that occasionally appear negative or can be difficult for a person.
2: Does that make sense? It does. And I think what ultimately what I hear you saying, and I think what we're both trying to say is that in this In this balancing, and this is what we're talking about, balancing all these different pieces in industry worlds where we're trying to do work that matters, is the biggest thing in balance is making sure we're asking the questions. Are we asking the who? Are we asking the what? Are we remaining aware of all of the pieces that are at stake and i'll be really honest i laughed even as we were outlining some of this because to me i always go back to the question of why <laughs> And there's a little Simon Sinek in there, but, you know, the whole Simon Sinek start with why and in that capacity. But I think the bottom line is balance is achieved when we're asking the questions and balance doesn't always mean that we're carrying both in equal weight, but that we're remaining aware that they coexist And in our next segment today, we are going to have a chance to talk to someone who is in a unique circumstance in a newer industry that's experimenting with how to hold the two together, not just within their organizational structure, but as their very business model. And so when we come back to our second segment, we'll be with my friend, Devon Walker. Hey, everyone. This is today's real talk moment where we take the conversation and put it into reality with what's actually happening in our life and real life circumstances. And so, Laura, I want to know when is the time that your what came into direct conflict with your who and how did you handle it? This sounds like a Dr. Seuss
1: challenge of some sort. <laughs> the who, the who's-its and the what's-its and the where's-its, they
2: when's-its. To make the widgets.
1: Exactly. Okay. <laughs> so so my um, what coming into who conflict um, probably does come up in widget making, right? So we talked in our first segment today about being four people and sometimes having to make hard business decisions. I'm going to flip this a little bit in that sometimes – you need to make a, a really hard decision on how you want to be there for a person about who you are and how you want to respond for people that isn't necessarily aligned with what you're supposed to be doing. Um, I actually find a really frequent real issue for me in that the way I want to respond to people when they have issues at work is not, frankly, not allowed, let alone appropriate in the workplace. So for example, if I have an employee that walks into my office and there's a, I don't know, a divorce or a troubled child or any sort of items you can imagine that get laid on your desk on a regular basis. My first instinct is to want to pray with them. And that's not always an appropriate item, right? It's that my who, Mm. who and what I am at that moment um, is not aligned with what I'm supposed to do, which is refer an employee to employee assistance, give, you know, ask them questions to help make sure they're getting the support they need and that they're safe, right? My first instinct is to say, can we pray together? Can I bring you a meal to your house? Like that compassionate Christian Laura at the core of her being starts to override corporate Laura very quickly. So I can tell you that that is a real challenge for me, not to overly personalize in the office using who I am along with the what I want to do. If And it leads to a lot of really interesting situations. So I'll be honest, for example, I have folks that are obviously not Christian that work for and around me in my company. Obviously we all as humans have issues and there are times when my my response may not be, let's pray, but my response can be, I'm here to listen, how can I help? And guess what, sometimes I still can say, sounds like you guys might need a meal, can I run a casserole by tomorrow? Um, And the beauty of that is if you allow yourself to be a person without necessarily revealing your motivation, I do it because I want people to feel the love of God where where they are at all times, right? I don't have to reveal that to them. All they need to know in that moment is that I'm caring about them, see them as an individual, and care about their health and wholeness. And if that ultimately, over time, leads to them asking some questions privately about who and what I'm about, that's awesome. Um, If it doesn't, I at least know that just like Jesus did, I love the saint and the sinner where they were, and that's all cool. So I went super duper down the faith path there, (laughs) Jen, but I'm just laying it on the line for our listeners that Christian corporate is a whole realm unto itself, and that's a place where my who and what sometimes come in conflict.
2: I think that's fabulous, and I'm just going to tell you that the bottom line of what I took away from that is that you can be a company that globally produces engineered materials and also take a casserole to the people who work with you. And I think that right there is the very essence of balance. I love that. Thanks, Laura. Well, this is Jen and I am back with part two of our conversation today on balance, specifically the who and the what, balancing being for people and also having a bottom line of profit. And with me for this segment is a friend of mine named Devon Walker. Devon is actually from the town where I live currently. So we met in Somerville, South Carolina, where he was born and raised, but he is now living in Atlanta, Georgia, working for a company called the Faze Family Center. Devon, are you getting used to being a Georgia guy?
3: Yes, Hotlanta is where I feel like I'm supposed to be. It's the busy and the slow all at the same time, so it's been awesome.
2: Gotcha, but none of that is taking away any of your allegiance to Clemson
3: University, correct? Oh, certainly not.
2: Okay, I (laughs) just wanted to clarify that because we are here in the middle of football season, and it's important to know where your loyalty lies.
3: Oh, the Tigers are still on top, so I'm not even worried about that. (laughs)
2: <laughs> well, Devon, thanks so much for being with us. You're actually the first guest on the Sinsters of Industry podcast. And so what? couldn't I know, I know it's very exciting. And I couldn't be more thrilled to have you because you are the, the perfect person to talk with about this idea and one of our goals in this podcast is to talk to people in all kinds of different industries to speak into these different issues but Devon you actually are in the unique space of not fitting neatly into an industrial category Um, you are part of an organization that is breaking new ground and so could you share with us um, just a little bit about what Faze Family Center is and what that's all about
3: yeah, so it's literally that it is Phase Family Center. Um, so we we're started, or I guess ideated by a company called Orange, um, and they have an entire systematic approach to family ministry. Um, so they combine the light of Christ with the comfort of the home um, and try to help churches win by helping families win. Um, and so we said, well, what if we can help families win and help churches win all at the same time? And so gave birth to. FaZe Family Center, um, and so we're a pre uh, preschool, daycare, after school, all of those things in one, um, but attached to us is an innovative co-working space and event rental facility, um, and so we operate Monday through Saturday, uh, and then our building actually flips and is used for worship services on Sundays, so we provide sort of the business side of the building so they don't sit empty during the week. Uh, And then churches are able to lower their cost for operation uh, and do the things that they do best. So we're combining that business perspective and the money part of the for-profit where we come in um, with the nonprofit. And together, we're really able to engage communities um, in what we believe is one of the best ways possible.
2: I think that's incredible, and as you know, I've been I've been fascinated by the model from the very first time I heard the idea. And you are currently sitting in the first phase family center of what hopefully will be several. But you are in Alpharetta, yeah. Georgia, at the very first one. And if I'm not mistaken, you're even in the podcasting studio that people can rent.
3: Yeah, it's super cool. So uh, we've had a few podcasters. Actually, uh, the our founding company Orange was here. Um, this week for one of their tour stops and they set up their podcasting stuff in here. And so I'm like, oh, well, let's give it a try. I've never been on a podcast before, so trying everything out.
2: That's incredible. Okay, so tell us a little bit more about what you do. So in this intersection of you have a child care that um, I know well enough you're not you're not running that necessarily, no, but you've got a no. child care facility next door and you've got event space and co-working space and there's a full running coffee shop in the middle. tell me tell me what you do, Devon.
3: Yeah, so my uh, official title we joke uh, is Associate Director of Operations. Um, But we sort of affectionately say it's the director of everything. Um, (laughs) So I am, you know, like all the businesses that you just listed, in charge of making sure that our, uh, that FaZe Family Center Alpharetta is a cohesive approach to what we're doing. So making sure that preschool talks to co-working and co-working talks to event rental and all of that talks to the church uh, because we're running shared space here. And so there's a lot of pieces that are moving and, you know, everyone has their Um, you know, performance indicators that they're trying to accomplish. And so my job is to make sure that our facility is warm and welcoming while at the same time everything's running the way it should be uh, so that people feel like they're uh, planned for or like we, you know, thought that they were going to come a little more intentionally um, instead of just people showing up.
2: Well, that sounds like a piece of cake. I mean, what could go wrong with everybody uh, trying to
3: sleep? (laughs)
2: Okay, so talk to me about that for a minute, because, again, so now you have a lot of people and you're offering a lot of great space and platforms for all kinds of amazing things that obviously serve people and serve families. But you're in a position to coordinate the logistics and the actual activity of that. And so where are some of those tension points of where it's really hard to stay focused on the people and what you're creating and also all of the what behind it?
3: Yeah. Um, well, first, so I didn't come from business world. Um, like I went to school and undergrad for packaging and then I went to seminary. Um, and so this is a whole different kind of bear um, and it's a whole new concept. So it's not Like I decided to open a Chick-fil-A that has established, you know, processes and practices. And so there's a book to look to. Um, So that's probably the biggest challenge thus far. Uh, But at the same time, it's maybe the most fun um, because no one really knows what it's supposed to look like. You know, we have a, you know, philosophical approach and what we'd like to accomplish. Um, But how we do that rather is definitely up for debate. Um, So managing the tension becomes... You know figuring out what's going to drive you crazy or what you get to find deeper passion and purpose in um and so we have a great team here we get to laugh together and and just have fun days um and i think that's really what opens the door for the crazy days that oh my gosh someone forgot to schedule movers to unload the 600 auditorium chairs so (laughs) in the middle of summer we put our tennis shoes on and and we go do that together um yeah, it's just a it's a crazy whirlwind, like, and we're putting our processes in place. But I think just having a great team around us uh, and keeping morale high uh, really gets to to buffer that a lot.
2: That's incredible. And I my guess is, as all of that is going on behind the surface, for the families that Monday to Friday are dropping their kids off in this state of the art childcare facility, they probably don't feel a lot of that. Am I right?
3: Yeah, Um Yes and no. So we're, um, I think that's one of the things that makes us unique. Uh, We have a standard of excellence here, um, but we also have, you know, not officially, but sort of the standard of authenticity. Um, And so we're Mm. intentionally not trying to communicate to families, oh my gosh, so many things happened before you got here and we're about to lose our mind. And oh my gosh, where are the pretzels in the kitchen kind of thing. (laughs) Um, But our families, we've been blessed really just with amazing people who are dropping off their kids, who are trusting us with their preschool education. And we just get to, you know, be honest with them. You know, how's your weekend? How's your week? You know, oh, my gosh, ours. You know, we have a lot going on, but we're so excited because we, you know, finally got all this stuff for our sign room. So your kids are going to have an amazing time. And so just really, really doing life with families, um, I think, is what pushes us deeper Uh, into that place of this isn't just a service, but we actually are living and breathing in community together. Um, And so we'll we'll embrace the challenges, um, Mm -hmm. but we're also going to celebrate the wins a lot because we really are um, about these kids who are in this building.
2: I think that's great. And I think it's really evident. Um, I had the opportunity to visit the phase Center while it was still under construction back in the spring. And then I had the opportunity just about a month or so ago to, to come and see it and to see you in person and to see how that was coming together. And I think that came through in the conversations that I had in every different part of the building is that there was truly a community being built, even of the people coming in and just renting space to sit in a cubby and do work. There's an idea that we are part of the same community and we are a part of these same ends. And I think it's really incredible. Now, it's also really new, though. And, and I know this about you and, and you know this about me. This is something we have in common. We, we like to be part of new things. We like the innovation and the challenge. However, it, it does come with lots of unexpected. And in some ways, this next question, it's not even really fair because what y'all are doing with phase is so new. But given this idea of trying to hold all these pieces together, even though you're in your early days, do you think it's possible to do something that makes money, right? For profit, it takes it takes dollars to do things in the world. Is it possible to do something that makes money that still has the primary intention of serving people?
3: Oh, 100%. That's exactly what we're doing. Um, so at the end of the day, we have to keep this building open. Um, and so objectively, our, I shouldn't say our purpose, but, you know, it is a primary objective of ours to make money, um, and at the same time, we are not going to make money at the expense of anyone's experience. So mm. while we do things, we have family engagement nights, and you know we charge a fee for that to cover expenses, and then you know we'll just say 10% profit margin, um, and you know different opportunities for that. But that's all as a means to you know, as maybe Andy Stanley would say, go further faster. Um, mm-hmm. So we're looking at our second location in DC. So, you know, what's it look like for our, you know, buffer in our bank account, if you will, to be able to make DC happen faster, so that more families can feel like they have a sense of community where they are. Um, and at the same time, having that profit, not completely, but return back into the company, so that we can keep replicating this family mindset, this community driven mindset in other places. Um, But the only way to do that is to raise the capital to do it. So a lot of businesses, you know, it's not a surprise that, you know, startups fail a lot of times because they just don't have the funding. Um, So we're extremely fortunate to be um, privileged in that way to have ample funding and to be supported by an amazing group of investors who have caught on to our vision. Um, And so for us, it's just You gave us the funds, and so we're going to make a really great product, and that's going to sell itself. And so then we don't have to be worried about that part of the business, but we're going to be able to push this philosophy to other places in the country so that people can feel like they belong as well.
2: I love it. I love it. Well, I am cheering y'all on and eager to see what happens next. And y'all who are listening, I mean, this is this is adventure. If you're an entrepreneur, if you're someone who loves the idea of innovation and seeing things on the cutting edge and in the early stages, I would encourage you to check out what Faze Family Center is doing. We will link to their website and and who they are and Devon in the episode notes. But it is very worth checking out. All right, Devon, before I let you go, though. Um, we are trying to talk to people from all different kinds of industry, and so that's a whole lot about what you do. But just to to end up here with a little bit more of who you are as um, a millennial, I will I will go ahead and call you that. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> people probably already figured that out. But you yes, are you are you are younger than me. We actually share a birthday, just not a birth year. Yes, so 30th <laughs>
3: is the best
2: day. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. So Devon, as a as a millennial, I just want to ask you the question how important is it that you are doing work that matters? And, and in that, how do you balance education, the start of a career, relationships, and more? What does that look like for you?
3: Yeah. Um, so it's it, lucky for me, I guess, I get to date a girl who is a millennial. Um, <laughs> and so she's actually a nurse. And so she's valuing uh, doing something that matters as well. So maybe like attracts like. Um, but it's at least in my friend groups and for me personally, it's not an option to not do that. And so it's pretty easy to sniff out the opportunities uh, where that's not going to be the case. And Mm -hmm. for me, I've been in the the fortunate position where I haven't had to settle. Um, I haven't had to find jobs, you know, just to pay my bills or things like that. And so I've gotten to be pretty selective um, just as a product of networking and my education and things like that. So uh, it, it really is a piece where, having purpose motivates what I do Um, and I feel like if we could all get to that place I think we'd be much happier and really every business could be a way to transform our community if we really let it.
2: I think that's so true. And I think that's actually a gift of your generation. And I'm almost in your generation, just for the record. We're so not close. that far. <laughs> but I, I do think that's a gift that the millennials have brought to the workforce is not being willing to settle for work that doesn't matter. There has to be that balance and that connection between who we're serving and what we're doing. And you just made a really good point that I'll I'll wrap us up here with, which is the fact that we would all in the end be a lot better served pursuing that and that's something that Laura and I even talked about the idea that businesses actually thrive even with regard to the bottom line when they put people first because in the end we're all trying to do things that matter that make a difference in the world no matter what widget we may or may not be making or selling so yeah. anyway devon thank you so much for spending Absolutely. a few minutes with me i love the work you're doing i love hearing from you and look forward to seeing everything that that evolves and comes with the face family center thanks so much
3: yeah thanks for having me <laughs>
2: I loved that conversation with Devon. It is so interesting to hear about what they're trying, and I can't wait to see where it goes. In today's memory lane moment, though, I want to take you back in time to something that wasn't a singular event in Laura and I's childhood. In fact, it was probably the most or one of the most consistent things that was said to us throughout our life and in particular it came more often from our dad although our mom would often repeat it and certainly lived it in front of us all the time but a lot of times because our mom was in a school environment and teaching she would leave the house before any of us in the morning and so it was up to dad to drop us off at school and technically we were supposed to walk but we normally had instruments and sport bags and everything for the practice and everything else and so dad was gracious and he would let us hop in the car and take us to school and we would have all kinds of conversation in the car. But as we got out of the car every day, the last thing he would say to us is remember who you are and whose you are. And I think that became a foundational piece for both of us that we were going to do a lot of things. We were going to play instruments and we were going to go to basketball practice and we were going to sit in math class and social studies and English. And all of those things were important and all of those things were a means to an end. And they were going to help us grow our brains and do things in this world that mattered. But at the end of the day, it all needed to stand on the foundation of remembering who we were and whose we were. And of course for us, from a faith standpoint, that whose we were is that we are daughters of Jesus Christ. We are loved, we are seen, we are known. And it's out of that foundation that we get to do all kinds of really cool things with widgets and whats and everything else.
1: Thanks for listening to today's episode of the Sisters of Industry. We hope this episode has made you laugh, made you think, and helped you grow in your industrious life.
0: Sisters, business, what can go wrong? Thank you for joining us for this episode of of the Sisters of Industry. Join us weekly as Lara and Jen reflect on their shared upbringing and divergent life experiences to draw out lessons to help us all lead and live meaningful, industrious lives.